Talking Politics with David Schultz of Hamline University. Professor Schultz, how are you today, sir? I am great, Tavis. I hope you're doing well. I'm doing well. If I complained, I'd be an ingrate. I'm delighted to have you back on the program. So much to talk about in the time that we have. Let me just jump right in. I think I want to start with uh, the thing that will matter most to all of us. There's Trump news to talk about. Uh, Tim Scott uh, has uh, suspended his campaign. So these Republicans are dropping like flies. We'll talk about that uh, and other issues to get to. But uh, Congress is barreling toward another shutdown with a, a GOP House divided. So they got together on getting Mike Johnson to be speaker, and that wasn't easy to do with three or four persons um, who thought they were going to get it, who, who did not. Uh, but now he's offered this uh, sort of two-step process to avoid uh, shutting down the government later this week. The problem is that Democrats clearly don't like it, and hardline conservatives uh, who helped put him in don't like it. So should we brace ourselves for a government shutdown later this week? I think we are going to see one, and I'm going to describe it as not a total government shutdown, but it's a partial government shutdown, but it's still a problem. Um, because the thing that's important to note here is that some things like, at least temporarily, grandma's going to get her Social Security check. She's not going to get thrown out of a nursing home. Um, but think about some people who are going to be impacted. Most importantly, unfortunately, it's going to be women and children, because the food stamp program and the women and infant children formula programs um, will not get funded, which means right off the bat, the most vulnerable people in our society are going to be hurt. And then for those of you who are traveling, um, who have to deal with TSA, it may turn out that TSA doesn't get funded and those agents are compelled to show up to work without being paid. You think they're grumbly right now? Mm. Think how grumbly they're going to be later on. So so it's going to, if so, uh, immediately it's going to affect um, the most vulnerable in our society. If it goes longer, um, then it'll, of course, it'll have you know you know more broad-reaching effects. But but think about what this also is telling us. On one level, it's telling us that a small, very small number of of of, of really extremists are holding the government hostage. You know that, and that's what's happening here. But also think about the message this sends internationally to our allies. Sends a message to. Um, other countries across the world that want to look at us as a democracy. And we look like, what, the three stooges. I mean, mm. we, we got problems here. Yep. We got more. We got, we got more than a few problems. That's an understatement of the day. Um, just getting started in this first hour with David Schultz talking politics. We'll come back to this notion uh, that the person's most likely to be hurt. No surprise here, but it's a sad reality, one that I'm tired of hearing uh, after all the years of doing uh, broadcast media. Every time um, uh, there is one of the, these government uh, shutdowns, even a threat of a government shutdown, it's always the most vulnerable who are the first in line to get um, uh, to be impacted, and that is no different this week. We'll talk about that in a great deal more when we come forward with the David Schultz on Tavis Smiley. More of Tavis Smiley when we come forward. May Fresh Daily in the Mert Park, Los Angeles, California. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Tavis Smiley uh, in dialogue with David Schultz, author and distinguished university professor of political science at Hamline University, starting our program as we tend to do on uh, the first day of the week, uh, talking politics, a lot of breaking news to get to uh, in these few minutes. Um, in case you haven't heard, um, there's a <laughs> there's a, a highly likely chance that the government will shut down once again this week. And uh, many people thought that by getting a speaker uh, some uh, days ago, we might avert this, uh, avoid this. Uh, not so. Uh, apparently, uh, many believe that in just a matter of days, uh, later this week, to be exact, uh, Friday, uh, we will experience um, the beginnings uh, of a partial uh, government shutdown, as Professor Schultz sees it. Uh, his point moments ago was that the persons most impacted initially, who else always, um, the most vulnerable persons, 
Uh, and um, that that's that's the way um, this process works, sadly. Always the most vulnerable people, the least among us, who are the first to be impacted uh, by these cuts. So Democrats are, are against this laddered approach, this two-step approach that um, Mike Johnson, the new speaker, has proposed, in part because um, uh, it lacks aid for Israel or Ukraine in the legislation. Uh, and that's one of their one of their um, uh, uh, one of the hallmarks of what they want to see in the legislation. So no funding for Israel, no funding for Ukraine. As you know, Mike Johnson separate those two things out anyway. Joe Biden asked for money for Israel and Ukraine. Mike Johnson said not so fast. Let's do it separately. <clears throat> he pulled uh, he pulled Ukraine out uh, and separated from money uh, funding for Israel. So that's one issue. But Democrats are opposed to it. They don't like the latter approach. and They don't like the fact, <clears throat> again, excuse me, that there's no money in this budget <clears throat> for Israel or Ukraine. Uh, conservatives um, initially uh, were in line with this. Uh, they endorsed the laddered uh, continuing resolution. They now are opposed to it because it does not include spending cuts, but instead uh, funds the government at least temporarily at the same levels. So again, uh, Professor Hamline, uh, Professor uh, uh, <laughs> Professor at Hamline, uh, David Schultz. They can't get conservatives in line. I did say Mike Johnson can't get conservatives in line because he doesn't have enough spending cuts in it. No spending cuts. Democrats don't yeah. like the laddered approach. So I don't know what happens between now and Friday. I think you're right. We're going to see a partial shutdown this week. Yeah, and there's, there doesn't seem to be any room for compromise because what would make sense in a, let's say, in a, in, in a hypothetical world is that you basically jettison those really conservative Republicans and say, okay, we can forge a deal between the Democrats um, and some of the moderate Republicans, of which there's easily 218 votes to do it, send it on to the Senate, and everything is, you know, it's is fine. Except the rules that are set up, when Mike McCarthy became Speaker, you know, you know, you know it was earlier this year, um, he set up all these rules that made it possible for one person in the House to call for a, a motion to remove the Speaker. And that's what happened to McCarthy, and that rule is still in place here. So if now the current Speaker tries to carve a deal with, with the Democrats or to try to basically move, you know, move in a different direction here, he's probably going to be ousted. So the basic problems that were in place almost from the start of the beginning of 2023 are still in place, and we're no further along now than we were before. And, and, and that's the problem. It, we, we, we have, if I can describe it this way, we've got a few Republicans holding the House hostage, which means it holds the government hostage, which means it holds the entire country hostage at this point. I mean, to me, it's no more than extortion that's going on at this point. And, and they want cuts. They want cuts mostly to what? social welfare legislation. They want cuts to, to enforcement of civil rights. They want cuts to um, to whatever little there is trickling down for student financial aid, whatever little is being trickled down to help the poor already in this country. They want to get rid of all of that. To your point about uh, Kevin McCarthy and the faith that he suffered earlier this year, I, I said when uh, when, when uh, Mike Johnson got elected, uh, we'll start counting the days for how long uh, he gets upended. Because uh, you're right, um, the, the, the numbers haven't changed. Uh, and as long as this handful, this small few of hardline uh, Republicans continue to hold the House hostage, this is what you're going to get. Uh, and to your point, there doesn't seem to be much room for compromise. As I said Democrats are wholeheartedly against it. They didn't save Kevin McCarthy, and there's no reason for them to save Mike Johnson at this point. 
Uh, and uh, these hardline conservatives seem not to be willing to compromise at all. They want spending cuts. They don't like this laddered approach, and so there you have it. I don't need to waste much more time on this. Um, I do not see at the moment, uh, David Schultz, our guest, does not see at the moment anyway that we avert or avoid at least a partial temporary government shutdown later this week because nobody seems willing to budge on this. We shall see what happens in the coming days. But again, um, uh, don't hold your breath. Um, who knows how much longer Mike Johnson will remain Speaker of the House. Uh, I digress on that for the moment. We'll see where we are a few days from now. Let me move now to um, speaking of Republicans, to Republican politics. So this is inevitable. Whenever you have 80 million people running for, for president <laughs> over time, people start to drop out. Uh, and we've seen a number of them start to drop out. Uh, and the most recent big name to pull out uh, was Tim Scott. So Tim Scott, uh, I was literally discussing this on our program, I think on Thursday. I was right. saying to one of our guests on Thursday after that Republican debate in Miami uh, that Tim Scott appears to be fading to black. He's not standing out. He's not he's not finding any opportunity to have a moment in any of these debates. And my view last week was it ain't going to be long before Tim Scott fades to black. Pardon the pun. I didn't know that it would happen so quickly over the weekend. But for those who were listening last week, you heard us tee that conversation up. And now Tim Scott is out of the race. Um, the last remaining African-American uh, tried to make a case that the Republicans didn't want to hear. How do you read the fact that Tim Scott is now out of the race? Um, first of all, I'm not surprised whatsoever. I mean, Trump Trump is just so dominating the field at this point. Why He's got over 50% support. Nobody else is even close, even like DeSantis and Nikki Haley. And Tim Scott almost strikes me as, like, I don't know, an odd person in the Republican Party at this point, is that, is that he's, he's, A, trying to run not on anger, which, which I like, the idea of saying mm-hmm. he's going to try to run in terms of, let's say, you know, not being you know, mad at the world, but also I have to be sort of really honest here and say, I don't quite understand how, how a, 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 a black person is in the Republican Party these days when, when I don't see the Republican Party doing a heck of a lot to help black America. Now, unless I'm missing something that you see that I don't see at this <laughs> point, um, uh, you know, but but it was kind of like watching him like be about dead man walking. And when I was watching the debate the other night, too, just if you like count the number of minutes he had to be able to say anything, um, he didn't get much airtime. And, and B, he's not a zinger person. You know, mm-hmm. He's not out there trying to go for like 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 Haley or Trump or DeSantis, you know, or, or Christie. I guess I'll say he's not a blowhard. He's mm-hmm. not a blowhard. Um, and again, I don't agree with most of what he has to say, but, but he struck me as being more thoughtful and that kind of doomed him. The, the, the irony of this is that um, while Tim Scott, uh, again, the remaining African-American, Will Hurd dropped out a while ago. Uh, Larry Elder dropped out some time ago. Uh, Tim Scott, of course, had more stature than any of them as a member of the United States Senate. Um, and he had more, he had more money. Uh, he had more stature right. and, and had almost twenty five million dollars. Uh, they spent yeah. they spent millions of that twenty five million, almost twenty five, uh, trying to make a case for him, and he just didn't seem uh, to ever catch fire. To your point, though, yeah. about about how anybody black can be a Republican these days, we could have that conversation for hours. Um, right, and, and I and I don't begrudge anybody their own political you know uh, politics, their, their own um, political uh, party affiliation. If that's what you choose to do, that's your business. But um, the irony of it is that Tim Scott. Uh, is an African-American. He is, you know, a member of the Republican Party. And he drops out of the race this weekend, suspends his campaign, is the official language that they always use. 
He dropped out, right. but they suspended the campaign. Um, there's a story today in the Wall Street Journal. We saw this story last week. Uh, again, uh, literally, we could go today, last Monday. There's a big poll in the New York Times. You saw the New York Times-Siena poll that found that Donald Trump was leading Joe Biden in five or six key battleground states. And that in those battleground states, uh, Trump was polling 22% amongst black voters. And that just was troubling to a lot of people and still is. So here comes uh, the Wall Street Journal today with uh, with the data they've laid out um, a week later. And again, there's a huge story in the, in the, in the, in the WSJ today uh, about Biden's uh, slippage when it comes to African-American voters. I'm not even sure I know how to connect these dots. But at a time when the polling suggests to us that more black people are considering, if not the party, certainly Donald Trump, the one African-American remaining drops out. It's, it's an interesting irony to me, uh, Professor Schultz. Yeah, there is an irony here. And, and again, we could have probably hours and hours of discussion also talking about whether and how much the Democratic Party is, is really working to the benefit of African-Americans versus how much of it is lip service, too, you mm-hmm. know, in terms of sort of going through things. And that's, and that's a really good topic for discussion out here also, too. You know, but, but in general, you know, Joe Biden's, I mean, beyond the age factor, he's not convincing anybody, including African-Americans, that he's making their life, life better. You know, at the end of the day, and and you know, remember many many years ago, what was the great Ronald Reagan line that said, well, "Are you better off now than you were four years yeah. later?" And and it's and, and I don't know about you, but it's hard for a lot of people to sort of say, "Here's how my life is better right now." After going through all the inflation the last couple of years, you know, gas prices are still high, et cetera, et cetera. You know, uh, I, I think Biden has failed to make that argument, um, um, and and really show you know the, the difference in people's lives, and, and I think that becomes part of it, um, part of of this movement, even among you know persons of color over to to um, over to Trump, because it may not be so much that that they support him as that what they're not thrilled by Biden and they're looking for an alternative. You know, I was I was reading a piece, <clears throat> a number of pieces this weekend, uh, but one of them uh, comes to mind now as you as you make this point about. This conundrum that the Biden administration faces and on a certain level, you sort of feel for them. And I'm, I want to get your read on this, because right, right. if you look at the data, the data is uh, pretty clear that Biden has done a decent job of putting this country yep. back from the brink. Um, yep. We are not experiencing economic collapse. Um, he uh, he uh, has has done a pretty good job of, of shepherding not just the economy, but, uh, you know, he, he took over for Donald Trump and many people around the globe were laughing at us and to your point sort of laughing at our democracy and so he's done he's done he's done a fair to midland job and yet they can't understand they being the Biden administration I was reading in this detailed article over the weekend they can't understand why people aren't getting that why people aren't yeah. feeling that why they aren't getting more credit for that it's it's really it's uh they're scratching their heads about this um and if you were in the room with them uh in that conversation what might you add to the conversation well, well, first off, I would say I, absolutely right. In many ways, he's the most consequential president in terms of legislation passed. Um, and I'm going to say almost back to Lyndon Johnson in some sense. You know, but think about the numbers: relatively low unemployment rate, um, um, the, um, the more people working now than almost ever. And if you care about Wall Street, Wall Street's doing well. A whole bunch of things. Um, what, first off, what I what I think Biden has to do um, is a much better job of telling a story in terms of explaining how what he's doing um, is making a difference in people's day-to-day lives. But I think even if he does that, 
he's stuck with an image issue. He, it, it's kind of like once the story has been told, and you know what I'm referring to here, sure. once, the, once the narrative is out there, how do you change that narrative? And, and I know for a lot of people, some of it is also just the fact that what? They're saying he, he looks too old at this point. So he's got the He's got the, let's say, the age factor. He's got the fact that he's not a dynamic speaker getting the message out. Um, and, and I think he, he, has, he, has, he has, I'm going to say, he has to go on the offensive. I don't think he can win people over, but he's got to turn people against Donald Trump. George Will, who clearly is no, uh, no, 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 no raging uh, Democrat or, or, or liberal. Uh, but George Will is, um, is, is, uh, is, is bright uh, and has a good, uh, good way of reading the tea leaves. And again, he's a conservative, but I I, I read his stuff uh, to see what George is thinking. I've known George for years, and we've done a lot of stuff together on ABC this week over the years on Sunday mornings. But George had a piece this weekend, and he basically wrote that Democrats and Biden are like the walking dead. Mm-hmm. And for the next 12 months, they're literally going to walk themselves into defeat if they cannot figure out a way to get somebody else on this ticket. Uh, and I hear all the arguments why Joe Biden is still the best option. But my, my read on this, and if I were in the room, um, I would add to your comment that I think what he's suffering from, what Biden is suffering from, is that no matter how good the record is, no matter what he's done, I would echo your comment that when you see him, nothing about him inspires confidence. Yeah. Um, he's fragile. He, he's almost whispering when he talks these days. So there's nothing about him that inspires confidence. I've said before, it's not about just being old. There are a lot of virile older people. You know, yep. you know my, 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 my mother's almost 80 and she walks, you know, uh, five, six miles a day uh, and she gardens and she does all kind of stuff. My mother is, you know, is almost 80, but very, very virile. And there are many people like that who, right. are, who are strong, who are driving, who are going to meetings, who are running companies. So it's not just that you're old. It's not about his age per se. It's that at his age, he looks fragile he doesn't inspire confidence and my point is that i don't care how well you've done if you don't inspire confidence in 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 real time it's not about what you've done the past every election is about the future and at this moment he doesn't inspire confidence for the future and i think that's why no matter how well he's done people can't buy that because they don't see in this moment that he's inspiring any uh, any uh, excitement about their future. And I think that's a problem. And so it really does raise this question as to whether or not, no matter how well he's done, he is the right messenger at this moment. He was the right person four years ago. He did his part. He served honorably. Maybe he ought to step aside. But I just don't think they're, they're ever going to get it. They're not going to get the fact that if you don't inspire confidence right now, no matter what you've done, it doesn't work. I'll leave it there for now. Um, Professor Schultz, good to have you on the program. We'll do it again. All the best to you. Thank you for your time, sir. My pleasure. Thanks, Tavis. Bye. More Tavis Smiley when we come forward.